State of the Industry podcast. This episode is brought to you by KP Movement Education, your source for health and movement education and coaching. Whether you are a health or fitness professional, a fitness consumer, or perhaps a passive bystander, KP believes that everyone deserves the right to pain-free movement. That's why their memberships and services are designed to educate, empower, and inspire you to create a culture of movement for yourself and those around you. With two membership options, you'll find education surrounding developing at-home training programs for yourself or for others, mental health and exercise, lifestyle medicine, and much, much more. Check it out at kineticperformance.ca backslash memberships. That's kineticperformance.ca backslash memberships. Hey, FitFam, welcome back to the State of the Industry podcast. I am your host, Adam Youngsma. In today's episode, I welcome on a very special guest, a woman that I had the pleasure of meeting last year while we were both presenting at Idea China in Shanghai. She is Farrell Hruska. Farrell is presently the Director of Education and Culture at Choose Fitness. Actually, during the podcast, I said to her, I'm like, that is an awesome title. Like that, I'm a title person. And when I heard that, I was like, Director of Education and Culture, that's phenomenal. You have to tell me more. So she describes what that is and what culture means within Choose Fitness. And I was just blown away because when I met her in Shanghai, I actually felt that culture that she just walks around with, so it surrounds her. So she's the perfect person for a job with a title such as that. Um, but outside of just being the Director of Education and Culture at Choose Fitness, she also has about 20 years of experience as a personal trainer, a group fitness instructor, and an educator. As I mentioned, we met while presenting at Idea China, but she's presented all over the world, specifically in North America and in Asia. And she is a uh, topic and uh, a content expert in both women's fitness as well as pre and postnatal fitness. And that's what we talk a lot about within this podcast episode. And I have a feeling that if you haven't done a lot of education on the topic before, you will find this very, very insightful, whether you are a, uh, a female trainer working with clients who perhaps are going through puberty or through pregnancy, either pre or postnatal or through menopause. We talk about all these different stages and um, it just blew me away because I haven't done a lot of education on it. I knew there was a big difference, but um, as a male, just understanding the the changes that take place, the emotional side of things and how the emotions of a woman can be used as uh, motivation and as superpowers within the gym, it was just eye-opening for me. So I really hope you enjoy this. I know you will. And uh, without me rambling anymore, let's hop right into it. All right. Welcome, Farrell, to the State of the Industry podcast. How are you? I'm wonderful. How are you? I'm I'm doing well. I'm I'm tired from all this recording of sessions for virtual conferences, but other than that, I'm doing well. Yeah. Understandable. Yeah, too many too many sessions to do, too little time. Yes. It's so fun though. I'm so glad that we can participate. Yeah, it's really nice. I I actually every single time I'm going through every session because I always forget which one's first and which one's last. I always thank them for coming out. And like, for me, I always look at education as those who go to conferences or go to courses. I always look at them like, I applaud you for just showing this dedication to education, to continued learning and not just for yourself, but showing like this desire to get into education because you want to be better and do better for your clients. Right. Yeah. So that's often what I, I finish off by saying, um, you know, in a very sincere way, but yeah, I feel like you've been listening to the end of my sessions because I do the exact same thing. Really? Where I, yeah, I just yeah. I thank them for for caring enough to yeah. consistently get better because we can't ever get to that 
point in our career and any craft to be like, okay, I'm done. Like I've, yeah. I've, I've mastered everything. Yeah. Yeah. And so to take the time and space and resources and all that, just to be there, it's, it's huge. So I want to honor that too. Yeah. And I find as you get a little bit further along in the industry, so as you become a more experienced trainer or, you know, like us kind of more in management positions or educational positions, when you go to a conference or you go to a, a course or you're talking with somebody else in the industry, mm-hmm. it's, it's trying to pull, you know, the two or three things out of, you know, that hour or two hour session or whatever it is that you can, that you can apply because most of the other stuff is going to not be anything new, right? It's just going to be mm-hmm. a different way to do something or to see a problem. Right. Yeah. So, I wanted to just get you to introduce kind of yourself, what you do. And, um, you know, I know your um, position at Choose Fitness. So if you can just talk a little bit about that as well, because I, I actually love the title. I'm a, <laughs> like, I'm a big title person. Like I yeah. see it. And I'm like, oh, I like, oh, I like them. I might change my role in my own company <laughs> to that. You to, can take you know. it. Yeah. <laughs> so just introduce yourself, what you do and um, kind of what your role is at Choose Fitness. Um, so I'm Carol Ruska. Um, I am the director of education and culture at Choose Fitness. Um, I actually have been in the industry for close to 20 years uh, and have held a lot of different roles, um, starting out as Group X instructor and personal trainer and then working in the world of pre and postnatal fitness um, prior to Choose Fitness for about 16 years. Um, and then found this incredible company and um as much as this word is used way too much recently and pivoted yeah and uh and started focusing in on um you know the the education and culture driven um initiatives around building a really solid and effective company and so it's been it's been a, a wild ride it's been an amazing um new chapter so awesome So we're going to come back to that for a second, but I wanted to ask about something else. How did you get into presenting at conferences? Like what, what was your path to that? Cause I know we, we met originally at idea China in Shanghai last almost a year ago. And like, how did you get into it? Cause I started looking through your, once we met and um, I started kind of snooping around a little bit, you presented a lot of different conferences all over the world and so I just wanted to know how you got into that and kind of your path through to bring you to where you are now with the presentations as well. Sure. Um, so my presenting really started with idea and, um, you know, just applying for various sessions and thankfully getting chosen for a session here and there in the, in the beginning, <clears throat> which then led to, you know, um, their, their offshoots, so their personal training institute conferences as well and I think you know this because this is how we met you just meet people along the way mm-hmm. and um, I met several people who believed that I had a good message to send and some good information and education that was really needed um, and that it was a delivery that was digestible yep. um, and then also was was impactful from a from um, sort of built filling people's cup so it was, I, my approach is really twofold. I want to educate you so that you can go out there and then do things differently. But I also want you to feel really, really good about who you are, what you do in your role in this world. Mm-hmm. And so if I can marry those two in each of those sessions. So that just led to a variety of different opportunities. So um, Middle Eastern Fitness Conference in uh, Dubai, I've presented at now four or five years. Um, got able to go to a couple different conferences in Asia. Um, including the Asia Fitness Conference that you and I just talked about um, yeah. in Bangkok a couple times. Um, and then that leading into you know, opportunities in India and Egypt. And it's just been amazing. You know, it's been a whirlwind and, and an, you know, a, a layer of opportunity that I, I didn't see prior to, you know, maybe eight years ago. Yeah. And it's turned into a very different path. And it's been really amazing. And to see the world in that light has been really powerful and, and meaningful to me personally, because if you don't have those opportunities, sometimes your vision gets really narrowed mm-hmm. um, and you only see differences versus how collectively we're 
we're much more united than I think a lot of us. Yeah. Yeah. Believe I, us to be right now. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's a, a real benefit to the, the fitness movement industry as a whole, right? Like it's, it's, um, it's always been, or at least as long as I've been in it, it's, it's always been a, a feeling of wanting to share, wanting to spread knowledge, not wanting to hoard things to yourself, right? It's not like, you know, like, yes, there's patents and stuff and equipment, but with, when it comes to the knowledge side of things, you want everybody to know everything. It's not, we're, we're trying and we, we, I think we do a reasonably good job of not siloing all these different mm -hmm. things like our skills. And then, you know, you go do whatever you want, but this is ours kind of thing. And, right. and I really like that. I do too. Yeah. So let's go back to choose fitness for a second, because um, I, I want to know what's different about choose fitness. Cause you, you mentioned that you, like, you love the company. It's a, it's a phenomenal company. If I've, I've done a little bit of research looking at, kind of how they lay out, how they set up their, their clubs themselves. And they're very unique in what they, they have. So can you just talk a little bit about the company as a whole and what makes it different from other, you know, we'll say quote unquote, kind of bigger box gyms. Sure. Um, well, we fall into that HVLP category, which is high value, low price. And there's a section of, of um, companies that fall into that same category. So starting at $10 per month, um, is the low price piece. Um, they are state-of-the-art facilities in the sense that the, the amount of equipment and the details and the way that it's all built out, um, you know, people walk in and are said, you know, told you can only, only have to pay is $10 and they're just wide-eyed, right? Like, I don't believe I deserve this. And we're in a lot of really um, interesting locations in the sense that we try to target some um, underserved communities okay. um, so that we can bring really state-of-the-art and, and high value to, um, you know, communities that may not feel as if they could have access to anything, let alone something like that. Mm -hmm. um, that in and of itself is wonderful. Where I align with this company is that they're about putting people first and profits will follow. And not a lot of businesses in any industry really follow that model, yep. um, which is surprising to me. And yet it's so simple. Um, our, our business is about people and fitness just happens to be the vehicle. So, yep. you know, all of our, um, our whole family um, is about learning self-awareness. It's about learning to see the human that's in front of you. It's has nothing to do with sales or none of our managers are held to any revenue goals. Yeah. Um, yeah. We don't do personal training for that reason. We don't want anyone to feel upsold. We have tremendous programming in, you know, called team training, which is small group training and all of our group X classes. We don't want anyone to come in and feel any pressure to do anything other than just some self-care. Mm -hmm. And if that self-care is, you know, hanging out in a sauna and getting a smoothie and walking out, then right on. Yeah. Right. You've taken some time for yourself. And from the top down, so it's a family-owned organization. <clears throat> Two best friends started it and then put their sons at the helm um, as CEO and COO. Um, they are each other's godbrothers and their dads are each other's godfathers. <laughs> um, and they've built it from the ground up. So we're at 30 locations um, in four different states. And, you know, I mean, we're taking a, a, a bit of a stumble right now based on what's happening uh, in the world. Yeah, but but will prevail. And every step of the way, they've done everything they could to take care of the team. Mm -hmm. So thinking through each individual and what that would look like for them if they had to be furloughed, how do we how do we take care of them in such a way that they know they're still part of our family? And and it's been remarkable in a time of unprecedented crisis to see the humans that are behind this company. It's just it brings me to tears to think about it. Actually, yeah. Uh, so it's, it's just a phenomenal organization and I'm very proud to be yeah. a part of it. Yeah. Yeah. That's amazing. I know having worked for several different clubs just mm -hmm. here in and around Toronto um, and even just uh, different companies here and around Toronto, that's a rarity that it's people first. And, and, and I know most companies always say we put people first, but then when you work for them and you really see, you're like, do you know that that decision yeah. does not does not reflect that you put people first right. and 
and it's the same thing. Like, so like I work a lot with personal trainers and I always tell them, I'm like, if you, if you treat your clients well, if you get them good results, if you um, demonstrate a care for them, that they're an N equals one, that they're different from every other client you've ever seen and you are educated and you know what you're talking about, like the revenue will come. You don't, so I always get in these debates with people about, you know, hard sales. Like if you can't sell, then you can't be a trainer versus mm-hmm. like, well, if you are just like, if you're, you get, you need some marketing, like you sure. need to be able to market yourself and develop a brand. But if you provide a really, really good service to somebody that gets results and, 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 and helps them feel like they're part of a community, like the sales will come, like they'll keep coming to you for years and years and years and years exactly. because of the way you make them feel. Exactly. Absolutely. And, and to know that they matter, mm-hmm. um, they're not going to leave you. Yeah. And you'll have a client for life, but you have to care first. Yeah. 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 I've got a, a good friend who, who works with me. So he's a, he's a contractor that I often use, but he was also a trainer at one of the facilities I used to manage. And you kind of meet him and he's always got a smile on his face. He's always positive about everything. And he just, he's had clients coming to him since as long as I can remember. Like when I first met him, they were, they only, they already been his client for like three or four years and they're still with them. Even like through all of this, they still come to see them because they just, they just can't, they can't stop. Right. Like it's just, it's so much just, it's a, it's a relationship that they have and it's a, a release that they have that, that they don't feel as though they can get anywhere else. Right. Mm-hmm. And he's just, he just has that personality. It's amazing. And I think that brings in kind of this idea of culture, which is kind of the second part of what your, your title is, right? So director mm-hmm. of education and culture. And I always find culture a really interesting term specifically in around business. Mm-hmm. So what does it mean for, um, you at Choose Fitness and what, how do you go about really fostering a, a quality, a good, fruitful culture within mm-hmm. a gym setting? Um, I think it comes back to just the, the terminology um, around family and community. And we foster a, um, a connection and um, true authentic relationships within our team and then ask them to do the same with the humans that are walking through our door. And so really, like I said, it comes back down to that having enough self-awareness to realize that for a moment, you could change a person's day. Um, Moment by moment, you could change someone's life. And it has everything to do with the way that we treat people, how we treat each other and how we treat the humans that are walking through the door. Because quite often, just walking through the door was probably the hardest thing they had to do, was just to get there. And so if we can create an atmosphere that tears down those proverbial walls that people feel as if they have a home um, and a family with us, um, then we've won because they they know they have a safe place. And now right now, our gym industry, at least in the U.S., is servicing about 20% of our population, maybe a little less. Mm -hmm. So as much as we want to be the gym and are the gym that will help get the fit fitter, we want to reach the 80% that are, you know, circling the drain, if you will, um, not knowing or realizing that they have a place to go, that they'll feel accepted no matter what, um, you know, race, religion, sexual orientation, body size, any, anything, um, that they have a place with us. And that's, again, that's far beyond reps and sets. And mm-hmm. yes, when you get in here, we will help you with your reps and sets. We just want you here. Yeah. Um, and we believe that that is a pocket of our industry that um, that could use some work. I think that we could do better as an yeah. industry to um, to help people just recognize that their their self worth is valuable, and if they can come to a place where they feel as if they're safe and connected, then we've won. You know, mm-hmm. no matter what they do within our four walls. Yeah. Um, so that's at the at the root of our culture yeah. is that acceptance and. Um, an awareness of the reality. So I just want to tell you a little story. So there's a, a member that we had, still have, and he shared a story with us that he said that Choose saved his life. Hmm. And I think that these stories are hidden around us in plain sight, all around our industry. 
Yeah. But to be able to hear this from him where he, the day before he walked into our club, he was standing at the edge of his window in his high rise apartment, deciding whether he was going to jump or not. Wow. And for some reason he decided not to. And he saw our sign because we happened to be across the highway from where he was living. And he decided to walk in the door and he said, I know that it wasn't what I remember, but I remember like confetti cannons going off. I remember people like cheering for me walking in the door. And he said, all they did was celebrate the fact that I walked through the door. They had no idea who I was. They had no idea what I was contemplating the day before. Yeah. And I was the most important person in the world at that moment. Yeah. And every single day since then, I feel that way. Yeah. They know about me. They ask about my life. They, they want to know how I am. They, they remember details about my life and they you know, ask me about it. And he said, because of that, I started the road back to mm-hmm. taking care of myself. I started the road back to self because all of a sudden, at least in one small pocket of my life, I was seen. Yeah. And, uh, and it's those kind of things that, that we strive for. Because I, I believe that if we can help every individual feel better about themselves, they will leave our club and they'll mom better, they'll dad better, they'll work better, they'll be in community better. Mm-hmm. Um, that is far reaching and that can change communities. That can change, well, take it cheesy, it can change the world. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's like, I, I absolutely love that. And I love the the fact that the fitness industry, when done right, can really help to give people a, a feeling of belonging, a feeling of importance, a feeling of um, like fulfillment, even right an accomplishment that they're able to do that when they just walk in, as you said, just walk into a fitness uh, club and instantly feel that that love like I man something about I, I belong here like this is exactly. this is somewhere I can come uh, I actually had um, uh, with all this pandemic so I teach at a, a college here in Toronto nice. and um, I had a student email myself and the rest of the faculty basically just saying that they were having a really really hard time with the closing of everything and not because they felt like there was too much work or anything like that or that learning online was difficult but simply like they said you know I've struggled a lot with like mental health stuff Mm -hmm. and being able to go to the gym and be in the gym and now that they're all closed like that's where I felt a sense of belonging that's where I felt like I was um, connected with a community that I could I felt um, whole. And when I'm not there, I feel like I can't, I have anxiety. I can't focus on anything. And that's the problem. It's not that there was too much work or mm-hmm. anything like that. It was, it was the fact that they weren't able to be in that community anymore. And I think, I think that's what's great about being in a gym versus mm-hmm. like even working out at home, right? Mm-hmm. Like people can work out home, sure. but if you have that community, if you go walk into a gym and you feel that mm-hmm. and you see other people that you know, and they're asking about your day and all that, like, it makes you feel much like important. And I think it kind of, it's really nice that we can get that out of fitness industry. I think it kind of sucks that people often struggle to get that outside of the gym, yeah. right? Like that, like just as a, a culture of our population as a whole, isn't really like that, but maybe even like, this is a way to have other, like, you know, kind of that ripple effect, right? You know, you've got clubs choose fitness who treat people in that manner. And then they start to know how it made them feel. They treat other people. And then, you know, it ripples out from there. So only, only positive can come from it. Right. But I, yeah, but I love that. Uh, It was actually interesting. um, When I first met you in Shanghai, I was walking towards my apartment or towards the hotel. Mm -hmm. You were walking with everybody else back because you guys were going to go grab some dinner or drinks or something. Mm -hmm. Right. And I was walking the other direction and it's you who stopped me. It's like, come on, like you come on, like, let's, <laughs> let's just go. And I, I think, I can't remember whether it was, I was walking with Mick or not. Um, Michael Kuniko, or I can't remember. I might've been alone, but anyways, yeah. um, I was just like, I think I took a, a couple steps. I'm like, no, nah, I'm, I'm okay. I'm okay. And you just kept like, come on, come on. <laughs> and it turned out to be like one of the highlights of it. Right. Going out because like, I am a, I'm an introvert. I'm not a really like talkative person. 
when it comes to conversations, like I have to write out questions and topics, right? <laughs> like I do for podcasts, but that's just like, until I know somebody, I don't really feel like I, I can connect in that way. So I've got a very small, tight knit group of friends, but going out to conferences, especially in a country where I know nobody, like I knew one person basically. Like the only person right. I knew was Michael Kunico because I've met him multiple times. We've chatted before. Right. Um, but so I do thank you for that. And I think that just shows that you, you bring that same feeling, that same culture with you everywhere, right? Mm-hmm. Like it's not mm-hmm. just at the club. So I appreciate you for that. Yeah. So I'm so glad you decided to come with us. That was fun. Yeah, it was a good night. And I got to meet a whole bunch of people that, you know, like, how have I not met Helen who lives in the same right? area as I do? And we presented at like four or five different conferences that were all the same. Like, I don't and know. And former Olympian. Hello. Yeah. Yeah. Amazing. So I, I want to now take kind of like switch gears a little bit away from kind of what you do. And I want to start talking about some of the things that you, you present on, because you mentioned earlier that you, you took a really big interest in um, pre and postnatal fitness and specifically uh, kind of the changes that go on and how people, whether they be trainers or just in the programming that you do for uh, the people who come to the gym and just how you work with those. So I think many people recognize that training a female is different than training a male. I think mm-hmm. most people recognize that or at so. least should, um, but it is, it is different. Like it's, it's quite different. And depending on the stage of life, um, it can change even within months that you're working with them. And um, I don't think many of them understand how much, and I just want to start off this section. Maybe you can just continue it off, but, I remember a quote because I watched a couple of videos. Obviously I wanted to find out what you were talking about before so I could formulate my own questions, but you said something like um, in nine months, a female's body. So during pregnancy will basically change more than a male's will in their entire life. Like just, there's so much change that goes on during pregnancy. And I want to talk about each stage that a woman goes through. Cause I know you mentioned there's three very, very specific stages that a woman goes through. Um, so can you just walk through those? So first one I believe was, was um, puberty and then you had pregnancy itself and then you have menopause. So can you just right. go through those and what kind of changes the uh, female body and the female mind kind of go through during those stages? Yeah, thank you for saying the mind as well because um, that is a integral component of training women. I know it's, it is the same as men. However, um, I'm gonna, say this delicately, um, women are, we're, we're complicated. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's, I have a wife, thing. so I'm, I'm able to, yes, you're say able yes to say to yes, yes, absolutely. hundred <laughs> um, percent. We're complicated and, and we're not as, um, as linear as men. And I wish sometimes there are days I wish that I was a little bit more linear, um, but we're not. And so within each stage, there are some pretty profound things that happen. Um, so in puberty, you know, a lot of it obviously is hormonally driven, um, and trying to, um, it's almost like when you have a toddler and they're learning how to walk, like they have a new, um, balance. In fact, it's, this is the same for every stage. It's like, they've got new legs under them, um, because there's a hormonal influx. Um, and with that comes obvious changes in the body. So, you know, developing breasts and, um, or some not, um, and, and usually a, a spike in, in growth in height. And so there's a lot that happens with regard to just m- moving through with their new body, which is awkward. Um, and then emotionally. So, you know, there are some girls that come into um, puberty and they're either um, on the taller side, which makes them uncomfortable. And just side note, I was started high school at 5'11", so here, you know, that's fun. Um, And, or or on the opposite side, and either either their breasts are really, really big, or they're really small, or whatever it is, and they start to, like, shrink Mm -hmm. mentally and physically. They start to feel as if they can't take up the space that they were meant to take up. Yeah. Um, Yeah, and so from there, that's really where a lot of postural issues start, is in the um, puberty phase, because 
it's like not wanting to be seen. It's there's so much that's changing and I don't have a handle on it. I really don't have a handle on my emotions. Yeah. Um, and that can be scary. And so it's really interesting how, you know, we think about postural alignment and, and issues that we deal with mostly during pregnancy and postpartum, but it really starts at puberty. And a lot of it, again, is emotionally driven. Um, so we, I think as trainers, we have a really great opportunity to work with our, uh, you know, pubescent females to start talking through taking up space and, and, um, you know, being proud of the space that you own, however that looks. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> Moving into pregnancy is a much more profound shift. Um, with every, I say with every trimester, but really every month, there are new challenges, whether it's a weight distribution shift or, um, you know, increased um, uh, mobility based on um, relaxin, which is a hormone that flows through her body that um, causes ligamentous laxity, which is wonderful because the body needs to shift. It needs yeah. to widen to house that baby in utero, but it, it affects all sorts of different other tissues. So breast tissue, um, uterine tissue, things like that. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> Fantastic hormone, glad it's there, but it also creates this new um, fighting for fighting for balance with every, yeah. every step. So gait changes um, almost monthly. She's fighting for a new gait, you know, and mm -hmm. Um, and without proper training along the way, then that, you know, combination of ligamentous laxity with, um, anterior weight shift, that body could go awry really fast from yeah. lordosis to increased kyphosis, um, to, you know, all sorts of compensations. So we have a, a really powerful role to play in that stage of her life. <clears throat> it also is a huge identity shift, um, from being, me to now being me as mom what does that mean how do i do that um i don't have a manual with this is my is my life completely turned upside down or yeah. am i just trying to find a new rhythm like it's just there's so much and then not to mention relationships are challenged mm -hmm. um in wonderful ways and also in really interesting ways so it's just a lot to it's a lot to navigate Mm -hmm. um, what's really powerful during the prenatal um, time in a woman's life is that if she can adopt really healthy um, habits, whether it's movement-based, nutrition-based, um, you know, mentally, then she is actually will probably keep those healthy habits throughout her life versus if she tried to do that prior to becoming pregnant. So um, from a psychological standpoint, these women during pregnancy are kind of like ripe and ready to make change. So mm -hmm. in addition to how powerful it is for her um, just during her pregnancy, it actually could be something that she adopts and holds on to prior or post-pregnancy, which then has a ripple effect, right? Because children most often will emulate mostly their moms, but their parents. And so if their moms are making healthy choices and moving their body and, and thinking good thoughts and, and staying positive, then that child will likely um, repeat those. Yeah. So, you know, if we can, if we can get trainers that are ripe and ready to train our prenatal clients, we're changing generations versus yeah. just, you know, that part of that stage in her life. And then moving into, um, menopause is just another challenge, right? It's another hormonal shift, um, that also has a really interesting stigma. Mm -hmm. You know, it's for a lot of women, it's okay. I'm at the gate of the end of my life, which is so ironic. Yeah. Um, and I've done some studies, you know, having uh, presented in Asia, when you look at even just the physical changes that a woman goes through um, in the US and Canada versus Asia, um, women in Asia physically handle menopause much better than the women in the US mm. and Canada. And the main thing that they can tie it to is the way that we view it. And that mm. women in Asia welcome that change and, and feel grateful that they actually are, got to this stage in their life that they could go through menopause. It means, it means that they're getting another year. They're getting another chapter. Yeah. Um, and it's sort of like an honor. And it's interesting because in the U.S., it's, it's horrible, right? It's, it's yeah. you, you're at that stage in life. <laughs> yeah, you know, <laughs> and what's interesting is just that mental shift changes so much of the physical, mm -hmm. as we all know. Um, 
you know, reaction to, to that chapter. So it's all so fascinating and it's all completely connected and it starts with the head. And once yeah. that head gets right, then we can hopefully make change. But yeah, being a woman is an interesting journey. Sure. Yeah. Like, yeah. Lots of, um, lots of changes that go on. Like I think about the, the, the progression or the life of a male, right. And like, just kind of from my own sure. experience, it's like you got puberty and then <laughs> like a midlife crisis. Cause maybe nothing's changing or maybe too much has changed. Right. Like, so I'm thinking about if you, if you look at life, there always gets like, so I'm not quite sure. I haven't done any research on this or like, cause I'm sure other people have about why midlife crisis in a male occurs. Yeah. You know, it could be because things have been the same for too long and they just need something, or maybe that's their menopause. And they're getting to this point where they're like, right. Oh my gosh, I'm 40. I'm now reaching towards the, like, I'm, I'm not quite <laughs> sure what it is, but I can only imagine if it was like a forced change and I say forced, it, if it was a natural biological change that's taking place. And once, right when you start getting used to something and then something changes and then you start getting used to something and then something else changes, right? Um, I could only imagine what that would be like and what the challenge that would be, as you said, not only on the body, but on the mind as well. Because my wife and I have actually been doing a lot of research over the past several uh, several years for her she teaches kind of the early primary grades so kindergarten grade one grade two and just out of like pure curiosity about a lot of the things that she sees and trying to figure out the reasons why some kids are a little bit more outgoing or exuberant why some kids are kind of more uh, introverted um, less social um, maybe even less um, able to deal with different emotions that they have as well and um, she always goes, so we've got some friends who have some really young kids. So we always kind of use them as our, our, our guinea pigs, or at least kind of our, um, our, our real life individuals going through all of this at, the, at the, whatever, you know, whatever point or stage that they're at. And what we've really noticed is that young children, you know, in and around kind of between two and three typically is when it is. And they, 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 and it's, you know, you often hear about it called like the terrible twos, right? Um, where they basically get into this state where they're doing something, but they can't verbalize it. And then they have these, it's, it's almost like an out of body experience with the emotion. And just, I don't know why this is happening mm -hmm. and they can't even verbalize it to you. So I'm talking as if I'm in, in the brain. I don't know why this is happening. It's just happening. I don't know why I'm upset about this, but I wanted to do that. And you didn't know I wanted to do that. Mm -hmm. And that kind of um, unknowingness about kind of what's going on. I like, I don't know, you know, it could be like, I don't know why I'm crying right now. I just, I just have no idea what's going on or how to handle this. Cause you talked about not having a roadmap or a, a blueprint of like, every, this is what's going to happen in every single stage of life. As you go through, like you're going to experience this and then this and this, like you can probably talk a little bit from experience, but you don't know right? Because mm -hmm. every single person is going to experience it differently and come out the other side differently. Exactly. I remember you, so you have two daughters? Three. Three daughters. Did you know all of this before or is that what got you interested in it? It's funny. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, I had, I had no idea what I was doing. And what I found was, <clears throat> especially after getting pregnant the first time, was there was just such a lack of information mm -hmm. um, around not necessarily pregnancy, but um, prenatal fitness, how fitness can um, affect the body. And at that time, you know, it was a lot of, uh, but still is, it's just, there's a lot of just fear-based decision-making mm -hmm. and it's understandable. You know, if you're, it's your first pregnancy and you don't have the information, then I'm just going to, you know, take the path of least resistance and hope that that is the right path. Um, but yeah, so becoming a mom for me was the, the um, tipping point of really delving into the, the information that's out there, the research that has been done. Yeah. And, um, and then also navigating it myself. It was a really, um, it was a, a, in a good way, it was a perfect storm. Yeah. Uh, 
you know, trying to gain the information for myself and then also moving through it myself. Um, you know, and we, yeah, I talked about the three stages. What we didn't touch upon too is that, that out of body feeling of, of the possibility of um, postpartum depression, mm-hmm. and, you know, chemically things changing. So, you know, it's just a, it's a, it's a whirlwind. Yeah. Yeah. It's a, yeah, it's a lot. And yeah. I can only imagine, right? Like I'm never going to experience that. No. And so, and that's what I'm kind of saying, like from the, the, the male side, because, you know, I, I can't remember, it was very recently that I read this, but the vast majority of personal trainers are male, mm-hmm. right? The vast majority. Now there's a lot more females in the industry now than there were, you know, five, 10 years ago, but it was mm-hmm. a predominantly male profession and like zero, as you said, no education on all of this with regards to the changes in life that a female goes through or uh, right. that a woman goes through and like the understanding just wasn't there. Well, right. and you know, <clears throat> we talked earlier about how when you have people walk into your session and really thanking them and <clears throat> honoring the fact that that's important. Excuse me, my voice is getting a little weird. <laughs> no worries. Um, <clears throat> and one moment. Um, most of the time when I'm talking on pre and postnatal, the my audience is women. Mm-hmm. And when I see one or two men walk into my session, I, I want to run and hug them. <laughs> say, yeah. Thank you so much for wanting to know about this. Yeah. Um, and they kind of look around like, why aren't there more men in here? Mm-hmm. Um, and it's and it's unfortunate, you know, because as a as a trainer, if you're a good one, um, my hope is that you are attracting women who will eventually have babies. And so if you can understand from a mental, emotional and physical space what they're going through, I mean, talk about building your business. Yeah. Having babies is not like a trend. So it's not going to go away, right? Yeah. So if, you can, <laughs> if you can capture that clientele, that's, I mean, that, that kind of education is probably the best marketing you could do. Yeah. Yeah, it's interesting that you mentioned when you see kind of a guy or two walk into one of those sessions. And I think it's almost, it could be one of two things. Like one, I think it's a bit of a a fear of opening Pandora's box about what you're going to learn and find out. Um, it may be a fear of maybe seeing pictures that maybe they don't want to see or don't plan on seeing until their wife's actually having a baby. Um, but... I think it's also a maybe this misunderstanding that that's like that's for the female like that's like understanding about that stage of life and that and what's going on i I think it's almost hard for us as as men to to see that and be like, yeah, no, that that's important for me to understand that and what's going on. It's not just I can't just be a good trainer to right. that person. I have to understand them as an individual and what they're potentially going through during this stage of life and what maybe I need to say to them or how I need to train them right. properly or maybe even reframe some things that they're maybe feeling or might be um, might feel in the future with regards to, you know, maybe even postnatal, you know, with regards to things like jumping and, you know, those types of things and not really wanting to do that. And I never understood that. Right. Like I was a strength and conditioning coach who worked with our um, typically they're kind of, you know, late forties, mid, mm-hmm. mid, yeah, mid fifties ish. But yeah, some of them, like, I was just like, Oh, you know, jumping's a good thing for you. Running's a good thing for you. And they're just like, yeah, I can't do that. I'm like, why? Right. And I just like, at that time, I just, I had no idea. I'm like, why, sure. why can't you do that? Right. And I think that's, um, yeah, I think getting more men into those types of sessions and, and, and really seeking out that type of education versus the high-level performance side of things that a lot of trainers these days with regards to powerlifting and Olympic lifting are yeah. all going to, seeing, being able to see kind of the holistic view of the human being in front of you, I think would be really, uh, is, is really, really valuable for them. Yeah. And, you know, like I said before, I really wish that more people would be open to, to knowing more about that. You know, the, the reality is, in a healthy pregnancy, that woman growing a baby is truly an athlete, like truly an athlete. She is at optimal performance, especially if she's, um, you know, moving her body in an appropriate way. And there are a lot of things, I mean, you see high level athletes that are in um, training mode during their pregnancy. Um, and so I think that some of it, you keep, you kept using the word fear. It's, it's fear, you know, and, and not knowing where to go and what to do. And, and there's a lot of, um, 
considerations and modifications that need to be made on either side of the road. So, mm-hmm. for example, I years back, it was so funny to me, actually, I was uh, presenting at Idea World and they gave me, you know, around lunchtime, they have shorter sessions. Yeah. And so it was like 60 minutes. And they said, can you just do prenatal 101? <laughs> like, <laughs> you, you don't realize I do like two, two whole days on, on this. But yeah. so I was like, okay, how do I, how do I boil this down? Again, this is years ago, so they've really expanded um, this particular conversation. Yeah. But this guy walks in, and you know, he just just from just looking at him, you could tell he's bodybuilder, powerlifter, something like that, yeah. right? <clears throat> and I was thrilled. He's in the back of the room, and he's there for about half the session. And we'd gone through, you know, pregnancy is a state of health. You know, um, women need to be moving. It's important. You know, research shows it in a healthy pregnancy. Da, da. 30 minutes go by and there's a door in the back and he gets up and he walks up. And I was like, oh no. So in the convention center, thankfully, I don't know why this happened because there's, you know, tens of thousands of people mm-hmm. and I see him and he walks right up to me and he's like, I'm so glad I went to your session. Um, Cause I learned so much. <laughs> mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, 30 minutes. And he said, now I know I'm not going to take any excuses for my pregnant clients and I'm just going to drive them and drive them and drive them. I know they can do it. And I said, um, you missed a, just, a, <laughs> just a little bit. Do you have a moment? And we can just sit down and chat for a bit. And thankfully he was open to it. And I shared, you know, what he might've missed, but yeah, I mean, there are so many, you know, if you've got a high level athlete, they can still train at that higher level because their body is used to doing that. They don't have any contraindications. And, mm-hmm. You know, there's just so many things that once you know it, it's, it, you know, knowledge is freedom. And once you've got that information, um, I think men can make an enormous impact um, in the prenatal space. Yeah. 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 And I, I actually want to know, so I'm thinking kind of from the male trainer point of view, you know, we have fear when interacting maybe with a, uh, like if you if you know it uh, enough, you might have maybe a a fear of working with a, a client at that stage of life if you haven't taken some education to assist you with that. Mm-hmm. But I actually want to know from the perspective of the client coming in how much fear there is on their part about not only you know if it's if it's prenatal kind of coming in pregnant and and having all those changes wanting to know like does this trainer know enough that i'm not going to get injured or or endanger my baby but then also post like am i ever going to get back to right because that's a big change right like the body doesn't go back to the way it was before and a lot of that i think might be a fear as well in the in the the woman coming in is like am i going to get there can i get there like is there, am I going to be able to do all the things that I was able to do before? Cause that's often a fear of like actually having children in general, right? That's why a lot of professional athletes wait until after their career is over before they start to have children, right? Like you look at like somebody like Serena Williams is a little bit of a, uh, an anomaly in that, you know, goes out at number one, has a child comes back nine months later and, and is number one again, right? Like, that doesn't often happen. And so can you just speak to like the, the potential fear that we might have to speak into as a trainer mm-hmm. um, to help, I don't want to say reframe, but a, a system with understanding kind of what's going to go on and the kind of things that they might feel in those mm-hmm. situations? Well, the good news is that um, when it comes to athletes, I, I don't know if you noticed, I saw, I was definitely more attuned to it, but in the last summer games, <clears throat> the increased number of women that were on the podium holding their kids, which I thought mm. was pretty amazing. I mean, I think that we're, we're shifting in a lot of ways in that, in that regard, which I absolutely love. Yeah. Um, but so a woman's body will change a lot during pregnancy. And after having a baby, it might not go back to where it was. So for example, <clears throat> her hips might be wider. Relaxin allows for that. Um, shift at the pubic symphysis, right? So mm-hmm. the, the hips might have widened. They might not go back. The rib cage might have widened because everything was pushed up and the diaphragm had to expand laterally. That might not go back. She might be a little bit more barrel chested. That in and of itself 
doesn't mean she can't be leaner, stronger, and fitter than she's ever been in her entire life. Her shape might have changed. Mm -hmm. um, and there might be a few things now that we need to work with. But having a, um, having a baby is not like the end of having a, a wonderful, amazing fit, you know, high performance body. In fact, yeah. it could be just the opposite. You know, from the psychological standpoint, if a woman and a trainer who can help her realize this, that her body is a machine. And if she can do this, imagine what she could do, um, you know, in, in sport or in life. Yeah. And so, you know, having just sort of that wake up call of, yeah, your body has shifted, some things have changed. So we're going to be doing things that are a little bit different. You know, relaxing is still flowing through your body. It can be up to a, your postpartum. So we're going to work on balance. We're going to work on agility. We're going to work on core strength. Okay. <clears throat> we're also going to work on pelvic floor because that has changed as well. Yep. Um, so just having, again, enough in your toolbox to be able to explain the changes and in a, in a matter of fact way, but also in a way of like, do you understand what an athlete you are by growing a human being, passing that said human being through some orifice in your body, then taking that human being home, if that's if you've had it elsewhere, mm -hmm. keeping it alive, possibly with your own body. And you think you can't do what? Yeah. Right. And so again, just having that, not, not the sense of like, come on, don't give me your excuses, but rather you're amazing. You already are. Yeah. So let's take your amazingness and in a very thoughtful way, get you on track to feel strong physically, to feel strong again, mentally, because I believe in you. And if you don't yet borrow mine until you have enough of your own, yeah. but let's do this. And again, it's patience and persistence, like anything else, you know, she's going to have days where she didn't sleep at all the night before. So we're going to do something a little bit different in the session today, or, mm -hmm. you know, you have to work out with baby strapped to her. Okay. Well, let's just, you know, go, go with what we've got, but yeah, it, it just, it takes just enough understanding from the trainer's perspective of, of the horrible way of saying, it, just the nuts and bolts of what we're dealing with yeah. physically yeah. <laughs> in order to program in such a way that's thoughtful and meaningful. Should a woman who just got cleared at six weeks be doing burpees? Probably not. I think there's a huge percentage of our population that shouldn't be doing burpees <laughs> and yet we do them anyway. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, just that general base understanding and she feels taken care of meaning she's taken care of because you've taken the time to understand her mm -hmm. um then that fear mel melts away really quickly yeah she feels um she feels already seen before she walked through the door because you've already done your due diligence yeah yeah i love that um couldn't have said that better myself mm -hmm. um so i think this is a great spot to actually end part one. And in part two, we'll get into some of the more maybe practical pieces about some conversations that we can have some practical conversations at some of the different life points that uh, uh, a woman may be going through. And then also hitting on um, a statement that you made that I loved about emotions being superpowers. And so I want to actually speak a little bit about that as well. And we'll do that in part two. So thanks for being on. Absolutely. State of the Industry Podcast.